Eat from the Tree of Life by Apostle Jacqueline Fedor. What if we woke up from sleep and found ourselves and our loved ones in a beautiful garden where peace and harmony filled the atmosphere? Balmy breezes bore the fragrance of spices and herbs, creating a climate designed perfectly for our comfort. There is no sickness, pain, sorrow, or decay. Death is not to be found in this garden, so there is nothing to fear or dread. Our bodies are restored. We're perfectly healthy. Food is for the picking. No poverty or lack, and a crystal clear river fed by pure cool springs is provided to satisfy our thirst. Huge magnificent trees supply shade, and a luscious grass carpet is beneath our feet. All that is lacking for us, as modern man, is a lovely home to dwell in. No problem building one. The master creator of the entire universe, the carpenter of all carpenters, Jesus, Yeshua, the Word of God, the Tree of Life, is there with all knowledge and perfectly calculated formulas to advise us. There is nothing to hinder us. Nothing to stand in the way of our progress. No sin, no evil. Well, maybe there is one thing we should avoid. One obstacle in the midst of all of this perfection we better ignore. It's the knowledge of the tree of good and evil. You see, it turns out the key to our remaining in this wonderful garden, just like it was for Adam and Eve, is obedience to Father's command to not touch or taste the fruit of this particular tree. In other words, we're not to seek His knowledge for any reason as our disobedience to the law of God and our assimilation of this wrong knowledge would result in death and decay, affecting not only us, but all creation alike. Just as Adam and Eve were forewarned, we too were made to understand God's command clearly. What would we do, though? Would we hear and obey the voice of the Almighty? Or would we be fooled like Eve, or lawless like Adam, and take counsel from the enemy we were forbidden to connect with? For those that read the previous blasts, what really was the original sin? and its sequel, effects of the original sin, the answer would surely be, we would absolutely ignore the enemy. These informed ones would understand the world we live in today evolved out of the first pair's wrong choices and how we're now held captive by its ruler through its systems. They would surely not want to repeat these same errors. But you know what? Humanity could have made this error many times before. The enemy has tried to conceal this recorded fact through man's more modern translations of the Bible. But let us read Genesis chapter 1 verse 28 from the Old King James Version. Genesis chapter 1 verse 28 And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply 
and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. Notice the word replenish makes you wonder how many times humanity faced this same dilemma and failed. We see Father's long-suffering nature towards man when, despite all the sin and debauchery, he gave the Adamic race opportunity to redeem their mistakes and be restored to his grace during Noah's era. They were hardly out of the safety of the ark, however, when Noah's son sinned against his father. Then again, we see the Father's invitation at Mount Sinai for the whole nation of Israel to be set aside to be his people. They were cleansed of their sins and given a culture that would stand as evidence for the rest of mankind to see the benefit of walking in God's law and knowledge. They too wouldn't stay separate from the world. They crossed the boundary line between the land God gave them, invading lands owned by pagans, even to marrying their people. Look next at the early Christian church. Christ did it all. He died to pay the death penalty for man's sin, bought humanity back, jubilated them from the enemy with his own life, giving mankind a chance for a clean slate a fresh start to the miracle of rebirth. Yet they too failed. They didn't obey his laws, became religious hypocrites, and tainted the knowledge revealed through his apostles by teaching through man's intellect, based on the world's knowledge. They did not address sin for the sake of money and numbers, and in fact, they still do not today. Because of these infractions, very little of this world will stand through Yahweh's wrath. You see, when man breaks the Lord's commandments, he becomes evidence or proof that he really does not love God and is therefore gathered to Satan's people. He becomes the legal property of the king of lawlessness, whether he knows it or not, and is a member of the body of Satan the lawless one, Antichrist. Thinking about all of this and understanding the church is moving beyond Christianity towards the church glorious, again, I ask the question, what would you do? What would I do if we found ourselves in the above-mentioned garden in this end time? Would there be something in the world we could not do without? For Adam and Eve, it was pursuit of a knowledge God had not intended them to have. Is there something the enemy could offer us that would easily sway us? Would it perhaps be the world's people, pagans that would not be granted access to the garden by the Lord, lawless ones that see no need to change? Nice people, by the world's standards, Fun people, but God is sure not at the top of the list of what they think or care about. Possibly a golf cart or a luxurious car would look enticing for us to get around in. And wouldn't cell phones be handy? In other words, 
would Satan be able to pull us back to his world? Is this not the same tactic he used to lure the Lord after he was baptized? Didn't he offer him the whole world if he wouldn't bow down and serve him? Matthew chapter 4 verses 8 through 11 Again, the devil took him, Jesus, up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give you, if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Jesus did not deny the world was Satan's to offer, but he sure did not have to the least bit of interest in it. Would we? He knew the world is inferior to the rest of creation. Nothing in this world is perfect, absolute, or in harmony with the rest of the universe or God himself. Would we trade that small piece of perfection for the glitz and glitter of this imperfect culture? This scenario could really happen, you know. A small group of people really will be called and chosen to restore the earth, reestablish God's laws, and bring back their original order through the knowledge of God. Matthew chapter 7 verses 13 and verse 14 shows us why there will be but a few. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. The way into God's kingdom is both narrow and difficult. Difficult because we will fight the enemy every step of the way. He will test our integrity, our focus, our morals, on and on trying to tire us, wear us down. Many will choose to not walk there because they cannot endure hardship. These like and follow the easy path. Then there are unhappy, always depressed ones, never satisfied with life and always looking for external things to make them feel good and enjoy life. They will not be happy or content there either. Ones that enjoy striving for success and want recognition for themselves will not make it either. They are perfectionists, determined to make things happen themselves. They easily tire of waiting on direction from God and waiting for God's promises. These are just a few of the natures that are very easy marks for Satan. And the list goes on. Only the strong in nature, people that keep God's laws, truly love Him, and above all things want to see restoration for all of creation, will find themselves in that garden place. So the question is, if we ended up there, 
Would we stay? Would we happily begin to subdue the earth, restore what the Adamic race of man ruined, and expand the garden for future generations across the earth? Adam's race built this world for the enemy. The born-again new species of man will build a new earth and culture for God. While we're speaking of a new earth, let us be assured God is not saying he will create a new planet. This statement is based on Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verse 4 and Psalm chapter 104 verse 5. Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verse 4. One generation passes away and another generation comes, but the earth abides forever. Psalm chapter 104 verse 5. You who laid the foundations of the earth so that it should not be moved forever. You see, it is this world, its systems, and all that love them that will be destroyed. Where the problem lies is again in the translation. The Hebrew words eretz, number 776 in the Strong's Concordance, can be translated either world or earth. Number 127, however, means only earth. Likewise, the Greek word gay, 1093, in the Strong's Greek Dictionary, can also be translated as world or earth, and 3749 means only earth. 776 erets, erets, from an unused root, probably meaning to be firm. The earth, at large, or partitively, a land. Common, country, earth, field, ground, land, exnatans, way, Wilderness, world. 127, Adama, from 119, soil, from its general redness. Country, earth, ground, husband, husband, man, husbandry, land. 1093 in the Greek Dictionary, New Testament, gege, contracted from a primary word, soil, by extension, a region, or the solid part, or the whole of the terrain, globe, including the occupants in each application, country, earth, earthly, ground, Land, world. 3749. Ostra from Ostrakan, oyster. A tile, terracotta, earthenware. Clay, by implication, frail, of earth, earthen, 
So based on this information in the above scriptures, world would have been a better choice to aid understanding and teach the truth in Second Peter chapter 3, verses 10 through 18, for instance. With this in mind, let us read Second Peter chapter 3, verses 10 through 18. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. Humanity will be taken by surprise, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements, the fundamental orders, will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth, world, and the works that are in it, man's works, will be burned up, but please remember, the earth abides forever. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved? No more rebellious angels, no accuser of the brethren will accuse the humans being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. The original order will be changed under the fire of judgment. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens, or a new order of things, and a new earth, new world, with God's systems in place and a new culture in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, without spot and blameless, separate from the world, walking in his law, turning your back on the things offered by the enemy. And consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you, as also in all of his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction, as they do also the rest of the scriptures. Thus false doctrines. You, therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware, lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked, just like Adam and Eve. But grow in the grace, love him, be obedient to him, and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, instead of the knowledge of the world. To him be all the glory, both now and forever. Amen. The garden scene we started with may seem kind of foolish to us. But is it? Let us look at a future happening, a promise yet to be fulfilled. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 51 through 55. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep or die, but we shall all be changed 
in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. But the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, can you see the reason to be born again, covered by the blood of the Lamb? And this mortal has put on immortality. We die to who we are as we enter the watery grave of baptism, into Christ's death, and resurrect into a new creature through his victorious resurrection. Then shall be brought to pass, in Father's timing, he will bring an end to the devil's plans, fulfilling the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The conditions that exist in the garden were just described. Jesus made all of this possible for those that believe. Surely, we would not want to follow in the footsteps of Adam. His fate is seen in Genesis chapter 3, verses 22 through 24. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, to know good and evil. And now, lest he put out his hand and also take of the tree of life, and eat and live forever, or consume the knowledge of God and live forever without change. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out of the garden, the first recorded time God dealt harshly with man, of Eden, to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove out the man, and he placed cherubim at the east of the garden of Eden, and a flaming sword, which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Our Creator did not mean for us to know any evil or experience any bad. We brought this on ourselves. The only restriction on man was to not touch or taste it. We can read about all that happened to the human race down through the time covered by the Old Testament to see just how foolish we were. Then God came to salvage man from their destruction or at least offered them a way to reverse things. Second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 19 That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself not imputing their trespasses to them. He forgave us and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. We are to then lead others out of the hands of the enemy and teach them about God's plan for restoration. Remember Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you? Well, he has. There is a beautiful city designed in heaven, that manifests here on earth in a garden-like setting 
called New Jerusalem. It is a spiritual city where his home on earth is, all made of living stones. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 5 shows us these living stones and their use. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, one use, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices. Second use, acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 6 But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house we are, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 16 and 17 Do you not know that you are the temple of God? and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. See the fate of the enemy that has brought sickness, pain, and sorrow to God's creation. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. The temple of God is his bride. As it grows, it becomes a city made of living stones. These precious stones are those chosen and faithful ones found loyally in the garden. You see, the remnant of mankind is his bride. Now let us read from Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 5, where John saw the fulfillment of these things. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth world had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, made of living stones, coming down out of heaven from God, designed in heaven, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband, selected for God's Son. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle, or house, of God is with men, on earth, not a city in heaven, as taught falsely by the world's churches. And he, God, will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God, exactly as in the beginning. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Only the city and garden will remain and a new species of man will multiply and be fruitful and fill the earth. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful.
Let us close with these scriptures. Revelation chapter 2 verse 7 He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life. The word of God. Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Remember, Jesus said to the thief on the cross, This day you will be in paradise with me. John chapter 6 verses 53 through 56 Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, my drink is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. Revelation chapter 19 verses 13 and 16. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. The one Adam and Eve turned their back on in favor of the knowledge of the tree of good and evil. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Revelation chapter 22 verse 14. Blessed are those who do his commandments, hear his voice, and keep his law, that they may have the right to the tree of life. I feel sorry for those looking for an apple tree and may enter through the gates into the city. Those that do not love and search for truth will never eat from the tree of life.